Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Right on Battle Mountain, actually. Well, there that no trees on that thing at all, is there? Not really. Battle Mountain, that's the one where Barney and them used to always yeah, go. Well, Battle, yeah. Battle Mountain's right there by that town. Yep. Battle Mountain Town, there's a mountain there that says Battle Mountain on it. Yep, that's where I shot him on. I was about over halfway up where I shot him. Right in the open. Well. Because there are no trees on that thing. Am, I, am I mistaken? I think it's Battle Mountain. Yeah, it's Battle Mountain. Well, I was on the west side of the mountain, which... There's not a lot of trees, but there's a lot of bush, like bush things. And he just stepped out. He stepped out. Actually, him and another little buck mm-hmm. stepped out together. I shot him. Little Johnny was with me and um, Talon. Okay. No, Colton. I'm sorry. It was Little Johnny and Colton. And Little Johnny's the one that spotted the buck. They didn't have tags. They just wanted to go. They were young. They wanted to go for the ride. I think they were like 15 or 16. <laughs> but good thing Johnny was there because he caught him. We were glassing. First day, opening day, and it was like 20 minutes into the to the hunt. Now, that town where you turned north to go up into Idaho, and I went that night, Wells, there was a picture in a service station there of a monstrous buck. And I asked the service station tenant, I said, where'd that deer come from on that picture? He said, right out, well, going north, and a little up there, and then a little to the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I said, it was about a few miles out of Wells. You know, maybe 40, 50 miles. Mm-hmm. But it was one of them bucks that was one, you're lucky if you see one like that in your lifetime. And they got it right there. Mm. So there's big deer in that area. Yeah, I, I kind of went there just based off of what Lil Barney and Big Barney and them are all saying, you know, talking about it. But, yeah, it was I mean, it was crazy because I shot him 10 minutes after shoot time because I was like, I just want a four-point buck. Like, I don't, I'm not being picky. Right? I just wanted to get one. I shot him right away. We went down there, 
gutted them, quartered them out, hiked them down, went straight to the meat locker, which is right there in town. So we we were only, I think it was like 9.30. It was early still, 9.30, 10. There was already probably 30 bucks, and all of them were 25-plus-inch four-pointers. Uh, four Are you serious? Already. I was like, what? And were I they think, all got on Bowden Mountain? Or? No. It, probably a lot of private property, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Guys already knew where they were at. Because I was like, how did they beat me here? I mean, it was only 10 o'clock in the morning. And there was 30 bucks all out. They were just starting to roll them inside the locker. <laughs> but, well, thanks for coming over and doing this podcast. Um, guys, you have heard uh, my pastor, uh, Johnny Hilton, on this podcast before, but it was before we actually had video side of it on YouTube. So whether you guys listen on Spotify which um, or Apple Podcast or whatever platform, if you guys can help us out and give us a rating and review, it really helps the podcast out a lot. And I don't say that at the beginning of a lot of episodes because I just don't. I do till the end, and some people are probably not listening. But if you can, give us a rating and review. You can do it on Spotify now. Help us hit 150 by the next day you listen to this, okay? And uh, we really appreciate that. And we've really... Actually, I was going to tell you, you know, there's a lot of ebbs and flows in the ratings um, you know, I was telling you in the wilderness sector, which is like every it's it's big game hunting, it's uh, any type of outdoor, even hiking, fishing, waterfowl, whatever it is, we're all ranked in the same ranked. I got down to forty four in in the world, mm. or we did on the MVM show, and I was I haven't been putting a mouse, so I was like up in the two hundred somewhere, and I just looked, we've dropped one hundred and forty places down in the rankings and now we're ranked like 97 today so it's funny how it just you know and it's because people if you don't post all the time yeah if you're not putting it's really not about just the contents about how often you're putting episodes out and if people really like it and new listeners are listening mm. so and you guys by rating it i know sometimes we don't want to take the hassle but if you do if you go in there and you enjoy i know you're gonna enjoy this this episode today so do us a favor i always appreciate appreciate your guys' support but today, we want to talk about... How old are you, Brother Hilton? 88. 88, okay. When did you turn 89? December. December, okay. So you just... So to me, and I think to anyone else listening, the things that you've done in your lifetime are pretty spectacular, and we could be here for hours and hours and hours and days and days on the things. You have your own trophy room where... And Matt, you know what I need to do? I actually would like to do a video of that and put I it on actually, my channel. I actually did that. I actually want to do an episode with him in the trophy room, mm -hmm. and I'll bring my recording stuff over there. That's my second trophy room. I donated my first one to the Academy of Science in the Fresno State College. Oh, is, is it and over there? Yes. Really? The, the What's there is uh, the things I had back like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and I downsized, so I've started over, and this is my second trophy room I wow. got there now. Wow. And it is something, it's a sight to see, but I don't want to do, go ahead, Dan. Well, your trophy room, too, you also had a gun club, and in that gun club, or museum, mm -hmm. you had all the animals. Right. Yeah, a literal it museum. It was a Yosemite Wildlife Museum is what that was. Yeah. For how many years? Well, I opened it in 85, and I don't remember when I, I sold out. I don't remember. But when I sold out, I, I had a lot of things from the Academy of Science in San Francisco in there, like seals and walruses and mm. that I don't couldn't get. But the things that I got from the Academy of Science, I took back. The other things were mine, and I took those out. And some of those are what I donated to the uh, Academy of Science in the Fresno State College. 
A fellow by the name of Dr. Chismore and his crew came and loaded them all up in vans and took them down there. And they invited me at the opening, and I went, and some of the things they'd already put up, some they hadn't. But I did see the things that they'd already put up mm. in their their academy science room there at Fresno State. That'd be interesting to go see. Yeah, I really would. I didn't is even it know open, that. Is it open to the public? I think it was intended to be at some time. I don't know if they've already you did can that shift, or not. You can yeah. shift that if you want to be able well, to look I'm, at him. I'm easier. fine. Okay. There you go. Um, so... What I what I asked about your age for is because um, I want to talk about the hunt that you did your last sheep hunt. Doll mm-hmm. sheep, your doll sheep, and how old were you when you went on that hunt? Eighty years old. Okay, eighty years. So that's been eight years ago. Okay, and that's unreal because if you guys know anything about sheep hunting, and I think any sheep, there's no easy sheep hunting, right? That I know of. Unless you're lucky, no. Really, <laughs> it's all it's all climbing. Okay, it's, it's climbing, rocks climbing, and climbing. more rocks and more rocks, and uh, the higher sheep seem like sheep think the higher it is, the better they like it, mm. and so you climb to get them. So, can you start us from the beginning of the whole preparation into the going? Who went? Like the whole all the way through till you got the sheep back down. Well, the, the first place you have to draw a sheep tag, and it was at Chukach Range of Mount of uh, Alaska, uh, right out of Palmer, a place called the Matanuska Glacier area. That's where we took off from. The pilot that flew me into the river was out of right there at Matanuska Glacier. He lived there. And flew us down to the river and landed us on a, a gravel bar. And then there was a trail, an old horse trail, that went from there up in a lot of the way up in where we went. And uh, he flew us down there. Me being at my age, I knew I couldn't push myself like a young guy could. And my grandson, who later became a guide of Alaska, and he was, he was in the process of training to be a guide then, he who, went with me. Who was that? Barney. Barney. Okay. Barney. And... Uh, we went two days, which they could have made, he could have made it in one if he hadn't been dragging me along. But I need to be okay the day I got the sheep, so I knew I had to take it easy and not overdo it. And so we walked two days back into uh, the, the Chugach mountain range there on a creek called Glacier Creek. And the second day, Johnny, his brother, who is was a licensed guide, met up with us. And we went up a drainage there to the left of uh, Glacier Creek. And that morning, Tuesday, I believe it was, opening when I was there to hunt. And uh, we walked, oh, I don't know how many was in miles, but it was a long ways because it was kind of tough walking. And then we walked up in an area and we got into the sheep area. We saw you and a lamb on a ridge to the left, real rugged stuff. Went a little further, and uh, Johnny, my guide, he saw this ram, and we all got down and crawled out of there and got into drainage where he couldn't see us to get a little closer. And we got about 400 yards from him, and he was up. He'd crossed a little valley. It was up on another side that wasn't nearly so rough as the side that the you and Lam were on. So we was fortunate. I was fortunate that he was on the easier side at least, mm. and so we slipped. Till we got to a place where it was 400 yards from him, and he didn't see it. He hadn't spotted us. And he was a 40-inch ram, which is... Is that that big? Kind of tough to get. Yeah. I don't like. I don't even know the measurements, but well, that's four, past a full curl? Yes. Uh-huh. Mm. It's it's definitely full curl. Was, was you in the snow? 
No, there was some snow up there, but I wasn't in the snow. Now, on the other side, where it was rougher, on the shady side, there was a lot of snow over so there. So the other side would have been the north yeah, side? I, I was on the side that south the sun side. hit the best, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So did you did you guys sleep in a tent? Yes. In the rocks or what? No, we just found a, found a place where there was a lot of vegetation. I didn't take a mattress, so we found some vegetation. Just kind of slept on that, kind of made a little bit of a mattress. We stayed two nights like that. And then the third night, we was in the sheep country. And we slept on a lot of uh, short growth stuff, whatever it was, kind of vegetation, and made a comfortable sleeping night. And we got up there, and that next morning when we walked into this canyon where we saw the ewe and lamb. And uh, this ram was had crossed it. Of course, at that time of year, the rams and ewes and lambs don't stay together too much. He was by himself, and he's up in a real steep area, real steep, but not near as rocky as the other side would be, not, not bluffy rocks. And he was eating, grazing, and we slipped up where we got within four yards of him and uh, got a position. I laid down on my stomach, my belly, and put a couple backpacks under my gun where it was a good solid way to, to aim for that distance. And uh, I aimed a little bit high at the distance, but not real high, and hit him close enough to the spine that it killed him instantly. And he rolled down the hill out of sight behind some a ridge. And when we went to get him, he was laying there where he'd, where he'd finished rolling. And as soon as I saw him, I knew he was an unusual ram. I'd killed another one a few years before. There was probably 36 inches around the curl, 35 or 6. And this one was 40. One side's a little over 40, and the other side's right at 40. How are, the, how are they measuring that? Are they using, a, a like, a soft tape to... Yeah, take okay. a soft tape, or a tape that'll bend. Mm -hmm. And you go from where the, the horn comes out of the skull, right around the curl, into the tip of the horn. Mm. And it was 40 inch round. When we took him to the fish and game department to have him, what they do to him, get all the data mm. that they want from the fish and game department, the guys that were there were native Alaskan guides. Guys, not mm. guides, but just guys. And one of them said, I've never killed a 40 inch ram. Said, This is unusual. You have to do a lot of flying or be lucky to get a 40 inch ram, which I can see that. Mm -hmm. Because I've been up there quite a bit myself. To see a 40-inch ram, when you see them, you know what they are. Really? Because they just stand out from the rest. And I'd never seen one like that before. I've seen a lot of them, but not that kind. And as soon as I saw this ram, I knew he was an unusual sheep. And so I felt very fortunate to get a sheep like that. At my age. Mm, yeah. A guy that can't do like he did when he was... Well, the fact just getting up there, I mean, for anybody... For anybody, it's tough. It's tough to get up there. But the older guy is tougher because he just doesn't have the stamina, I guess you'd call it, or whatever that a young guy has. Of course, in my younger years, I, I wouldn't have backed off from anything. I've hunted all kinds of rough stuff. But at my age, at 80 years old, to get a sheep like that, I felt like I was a very fortunate person. Now, well, did that go in the books? Yeah. Oh, what, what There's two categories. There's the awards book, and then there's the all-time record book. It doesn't go into the all-time record book. It just goes in the award book. In fact, I got the book hmm. with the sheep in it that, that I got, but it was it was award book. I think it had to been 
it had had five or six more points to it some way or the other, however they score those things, to have gotten the all-time record book. Mm. It's tough to get that. Yeah, but So when they're measuring that, you're from the front all the way around the crew, or are they taking the longest one or the shortest one? Both. They measure both. One was about an eighth of an inch shorter than the other. Mm. So there's almost perfect. Do they just take the smaller measurement? Or the larger? Well, they take the large one and then the small one subtracts from the large oh, one. Oh, split the difference. That's what the points are subtracted. Uh, in other words, if if it was an eighth of an inch longer on one side than the other, then the eighth of an inch short subtracted from the eighth of an inch on the longer side. Hmm. What gun were you shooting? I had a thirty three seventy eight. It's a three seventy eight neck down to a thirty caliber for long range shooting. Okay. Was it was that the Christian's arm? Christ, the Christian arm barrel. That's a that's a uh, what they call that? Not a, not a fi- fiber barrel, but they're nothing they call Oh, yeah. Carbon. Um, I know what you're talking about. Oh, you're not talking about how they have the, the um, oh, man, I can't think of it now either. It's, it, is it what Thomas has in his Yeah, room? I think so, but I just can't think of it. It doesn't get hot like the others mm-hmm. do. You can shoot Oh, did you have a bull barrel on it? Well, it's bigger. Okay. But it's got that fiber around the barrel, mm-hmm. around the steel sleeve that, that keeps the heat from getting so hot. Okay. What what scope were you using? I have a Leopold uh, 2 to 14, I think. Okay. Power. And then I have the the turrets on it. That you can get the distance if you've got a range finder. You can, you can scope it right in. If it's 600 yards, you set it on 600. If it's 800, oh, okay. you set it on 800, and it shoots right on. Now, did you purposely shoot higher, or is that just... No, I was... No, I was really shooting uphill so steep. It was it was so steep my gun was under my arm instead of against my shoulder. Really? And I knew when I had it on it was gonna scope me in the eye. But the sheep was worth more to me than skittle around and losing it. <laughs> so I pulled the trigger in and did it, cut my eye. Did it? It was just that steep. And wow. uh, so it shot high because of the steepness I was shooting. But I didn't I had it set for, I think it was set on three hundred yards. So, Barney or Johnny one pulled my scope up to 400 yards. Uh-huh. And I, if I'd have shot any higher, I'd have shot over him. I was, I was about four, four inches under the top of his back where I hit him. Okay. So, I know he won't talk about himself in this respect, but, like, this is not a braggadocious thing at all. But, you know, he's been around guns all his mm-hmm. life. He grew up in the mountains and uh, used to shoot marbles out of the air, right? My but- dad would come home. Back then, you could buy 22 longs, long rifles, or shorts. And dad would bring a whole brick of shorts. That's 500 rounds. Oh, okay. And me and him would shoot those, the whole 500 one Saturday. And we got to where shooting cans in the air was too easy. so simple that we graduated from that and started shooting flashlight batteries, old flashlight. We had a dump up at the hill where we dumped our stuff. And we'd shoot flashlight batteries, and that got... Too simple. So we, <laughs> so we got to shoot how, Like how far do you think? Uh, how far do you throw it up in the air? Oh, just pitches up in the air, probably 15 feet, 20 feet above my head. Oh, yeah. What you do, there's a catch to it. The catch is if something little is a marble, that's hard to shoot. But if you got good eyes, you can put you can put the bead on it. And <laughs> anything goes up has to stop before it comes back mm-hmm. down. Well, the catch of it is catching when you stop. You're shooting at a still target. But you just have to develop the skill, finally, I guess, to uh, catch the stop just the right time to pull mm-hmm. the trigger. And if you catch it just the right time, 
If it starts coming down, you got to shoot under it. If you try to shoot when it's going up, you got to shoot on the top of it. Mm-hmm. But if you catch it right when it stops, you shoot right at it. And we used to break three out of five marbles. My dad and I, dad could do it too. But we shot so many shots, hundreds and hundreds of shots. Hmm. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna actually bring that up as the shooting skills that it takes because you shot at a lot of game, and uh, part of that is just even though a twenty-two is not what you're shooting at an animal, that familiarity with aiming and preciseness and all that is a big part of it. And so, I mean, it's funny because if Barney, if Barney or any of them listen to this, they're like, "Man, you left this out of that hunt and left this." I'm sure they're gonna think of all these things that were left out of the hunt. Anything. Particular happened on that hunt. I don't want to brush through that hunt too fast. On the fast. sheep hunting, yeah. Was that the one? Was that the one where you had to go up some really unstable rocks, or was that the one before that? Remember, you, you kind of hurt your ankle, your uh, well, knee. Well, my knee was bought. My I've got I've got a little bit of problem with my right knee, and it was so rocky, and so much rocks. When I, by the time I got back down, my knee was actually bothered. I so, wished I took a knee brace, but I mm. didn't. And it was actually bothering me by the time I got back down. Going uphill didn't bother me. It's coming down mm-hmm. that gets your gets the injury to. But didn't you say those rocks were real unstable? Yeah, like, there there is lot loose stuff. Yeah. So so his dream hunt, which you did put in again this year, right, is for the Marco Polo. Oh really? I put in for it, but they had a special thing. I don't remember how many people put were, were going to put in for that, but I just. I knew that my chance to get it was very slim, but I put in for it anyway. Well, Didn't tell it. tell us to me. It's interesting to me because not every I, I'm obviously not a sheep hunter as of yet anyway. But like Marco Polo, I know, I know a little bit about it because I've always heard you talk about it. What what's so special about a Marco Polo sheep? That well, whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, The 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Marco Polo was a young man that took an epic journey back years ago, many years ago. And through all that country where the Marco Polo, and that was Tajikistan. The Marco Polo's, or Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, I think it, Tajikistan is where the largest Marco Polo's are found. And uh, it's extremely high country. You hunt you hunt them around, start hunting about 16,000 feet to 18,000 feet, mm. in which it's 
kind of tough on the breath thing up there. Yeah. So you, they usually take you up close to fourteen, fifteen thousand, and stay a couple of days, let you acclimate to it. But anyway, I don't know. I might have been going out of my my zone of ability to put in for that. But I'd have tried it if I'd have got it. I'd have sure tried it. Yeah. It's just a dream of a lifetime. Marco Polo sheep is nothing to get a Marco Polo sheep with 60-inch horns from base to the tips. And uh, they're, they're got quite frequently. Not everybody gets one like that, but they do get them. And they're, they're the most beautiful sheep in the world. Marco Polo discovered that and wrote back, and they called it fictitious imagination. <laughs> Until later years, somebody, when airplanes came into the picture, a, guy, a, a British pilot flew over it and saw those sheep. And somebody went down and, and found that they were there. So they found out Marco Polo really knew what he's talking about when he saw those big horns. And why was he up there? Well, a, wow. a journey, just an exploration journey. Those are incredible. I actually have never, I, I've i seen these before, but I didn't, I'm just now looking at a picture of them. Well, that's they're the not, most that's coveted, not a very good picture, but they're, yeah, they're, about the, they're about the most coveted sheep in the world. Are they, so do they, are they part of like a slam or that it's because it's from another country? Does it not count? Not in this country. It doesn't count, but it okay. does over there. See the Marco Polo and the Argales. There's a Gobi Argali. There's the Altai Argali and the High Argali. That's a Marco Polo. Yeah. That's probably a 60 inch Ram right there on your camera. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Argales are all in the same family but they're from different areas, and the Marco Polo is the one that has the longest of the horn. The the high alta Argali's got the heaviest of horns as far as the base is concerned. Mm. So uh, that's what you, I was gonna. Okay, if you was gonna hunt something like that, you know, based on what's gone on over in that country, is that is that that is that near Afghanistan, and is it mm. a safe place to actually? It it's in yeah it's, it's north of it. You know, when you're spending a gob of money hunting, which the Marco Polo. Polo sheep is around thirty some thousand, right at the base. Before you start spending air travel permits and all that, but it's about thirty some thousand just to get the draw on the Marco Polo sheep. When you spend that kind of money, people are getting so well paid. Those people over there don't make anywhere near the kind of money that we do here. So when you get one of those tags and that the crew that takes you out there, you're almost something special to them because mm. of the money that's involved in it. Even though they don't know you and you don't know them, right. they treat you almost as if you're gold to them yeah. because of the money that, that is involved in this. So you, I think I'd feel safe to go. Mm -hmm. I would go if I got a chance. Which, which country would you? Tajikistan. That's the one that's you'd That's where I'd rather go. Okay. If I was wanting to get the Argolis, I might go to one of the other areas there that has Argali's that aren't the Marco Polo mm -hmm. Argali. But I'd like to go to all of them if I could, but I should have got involved in that 30, 40 years earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, we were, when before we went into Afghanistan, we were staged at uh, Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan, there's... there's the and as far as I know, we're, those are all kind of safe. They call it Kyrgyzia. Okay. There. But there's those... Our, our, our gollies are in that country. You didn't see anyone just flying? No, we were we were on a military base before we flew into Afghanistan. But well, in Afghanistan, there's a military base in Afghanistan, but you're not allowed to go on the military base. But those 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 Marco Polos are right there. Oh, they are surrounding that. Yeah. You know what's funny? So those Marco Polos are are in Afghanistan. Yeah. Do you know what side of the country? Because no. we were on the west side. I don't know. 
man, there was mountains like this, like you said, 12, 14, 15,000 feet. 18,000. But barren, like, yeah, there was bigger ones even. But where we were at, that's kind of where they were at. But we would fly over those, and, I mean, you would not see one life form there. And and we would fly out, like, say, if we were where we were in the middle of nowhere where we were at. We were in Farah, Afghanistan. But we would be, like, as a Blackhawk flies, which is 160 miles an hour, it would take us, like, an hour and a half to fly to, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the the other city. But it was a long flight. I mean, an hour and a half going 160. That's, like, as, you know, walking, if you were, it'd take you days and days. Well, these guys in between those two locations was nothing but sand and mountains in between those two, and there was nomads out there. I like, I literally th- thought I was looking at something from the Bible times because it was made out of some type of animal skin. It was all black, and they were living out there with nothing as far as hundreds of miles. Any way you look, there was you couldn't see any water life form. I heard they live off goat's milk. I get. I'm like, how do you? They yeah. have goats. How All do you give the goats goat. water, though? Like, what are they? I mean, if there's, it doesn't look like there's water. There has to be, though. Yeah, there's water there. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing they live in is called yurts. They're a round thing. They're banded. They're made in a way that the bands pull against each other, hold them together. Hmm. And normally when you go, they have a special yurt for you. It's usually one new one. And they put you in those yurts. But the, the people live in those yurts men, their wives, their kids, all, they live right there, and they eat that goat's milk. Either goat milk or vodka is what they, I think it's really? called vodka. <laughs> One of the others, what they have, and I don't know what vodka is, some type of uh, fermented liquor, I guess, mm. but uh, they have that. Mm. Well, and then cheese and what? They have cheese, a lot of cheese. Uh-huh. What else do they eat besides that? Well, they do that bread that, oh, bread. that um, I forgot what they call it. I don't want to say non because that's not. I'd the love bread. to go. Then I'd know all that I've ever got to go. <laughs> well, we, we actually had the locals come in and, and cook for us, which is kind of <laughs> still bizarre that. I mean, I guess they passed their safe checks, but from the city and came in and cooked for us. It was actually really good. But Well, now where the Marco Polo sheep hunting starts is a, a camp called Cold Springs Camp. And I think. The town, unless I'm misrepresenting this, I remember right. Of course, I just, what I've read. I think it's called Mergob. Mm-hmm. And then they go from Mergob, I think, on into the Cold Springs camp. And out of there is where they go into Marco Polo sheep okay. hunting country. And that's in Tajikistan. Okay. So it's all above tree lion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's barren mountains. You'd never see it. If you were flying your helicopter, you'd never <clears> see them. unless they moved, you'd never see them. If they moved, you'd see them. But they so blend in. To the rocks and the d- decor of the country there and the color, you'd never see them mm. standing still. But well, once they're they probably st- out there. I just never seen them. Yeah, they. If you were there around that military base, yeah, they. It. What do they call that? Mil- There's a name for that military base. Kandahar was it Kandahar or on that side? I'm not sure. Big military base, so and your hunters are not allowed to go. A certain perimeter from oh, you can't yeah. go beyond. I that. bet you it's somewhere around Kandahar because I I want to say those sheep are somewhere in the northeast zone of Afghanistan. I want to say those are where the massive mountains are. <clears throat> but I was curious, talking about sheep here, can you tell us what the the sheep each one is and a little bit about the sheep that like the doll and the and all of them? Well, first of all, the sheep that are in the lowest lower elevation that we have here. Are well. Let me start the highest. The highest is a doll sheep. They're there on the top of the mountains. 
uh, Alaska and that kind of Then down below them is the stone sheet, and that's British Club, predominantly British Club. I've got one of those, too, back a few years ago, 19. I was 74 when I killed that one. I just came from Africa on an African lion hunt in South Africa and came back and went on that stone sheep hunt. And my son-in-law, Barney, was my cameraman, and Greg Spanner was the guide that guided me into that country. And then below the stone sheep is a Rocky Mountain bighorn. And then below that is a desert bighorn. The four varieties of sheep in North America are called the Grand Slam, the 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 doll, the stone, the Rocky Mountain, and the desert bighorn. And I did long years ago when I was in my 20s, I went into when you buy a tag over a counter. I bought a sheep tag and went to the South Fork of the Salmon River in Idaho and walked them into a place called in the Chicken, Chicken Peak area below the Chamberlain Basin. And I did kill a mediocre bighorn there. Huh. I've got the head mounted in my house. But it's not nothing to brag about, just a mediocre type sheep. But they do get some big ones out of there. But I just, a young guy, I, I had a guide, but you didn't have to have a guide. But I had a guide, and he was doing elk camp. So I kind of did this on do-it-yourself type thing. And I saw this sheep and got it. And uh, so I've got the doll, the stone, that one bighorn. So I lacked the desert bighorn having a grand slam, I guess. Huh. I put in for a, a, a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep in Area 5 of Wyoming this year. If I got that, I'd, I'd get a nicer one than I had before. Okay. Which are the ones that are white? The, the doll. The doll. And they're from what, British Columbia? No, well, they're Alaska's basically where I went. But then they do have them in the northern part of uh, Northwest Territory. And I think the very northern part of British Columbia, there might be a few doll in there. But they when they get down where they mix with the others, they call them fannins. Oh, well, what are they called? Fannins. If they're partly stone and partly doll, they kind of have a different color rates to them. They call them hmm. fan and sheep. And that don't count for nothing other than just crossbreeding. It, it has one brown hair and it's called a stone. Really? To be a doll, it has to be totally white. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Huh. So um, when I've driven that truck up 395 in California and I send the picture of those uh, sheep with the signs that says major traffic mm -hmm. and those big uh, east... I guess that's East Sierras. Uh huh. It looks, I mean, they're really jagged mountains. I've seen sheep on there twice, uh, just driving 395. Uh -huh. But those are which ones? Are those the bighorns? Bighorns, yeah. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> they come down on the road sometimes. Because mm -hmm. I had an uncle, he's passed away several years ago, my mother's oldest brother. He and his wife took a trip up there and they saw one of these big rams on the road and they stopped and was taking pictures. And that old sheep wasn't scared of him at all because he's used to people. And he came up close enough to the car, and my uncle kept his car so shiny. That sheep saw himself in the side of his car and thought that was another sheep. And he just lowered his head and knocked the <laughs> dent in the side of my uncle's car. Oh, my goodness. He had that fixed when he got home. But that sheep thought he was butting another sheep, and he was butting my uncle's car. So <laughs> you, you were at the Army base there, right, at Hawthorne? Uh, well, we've trained there. Yeah, because from there you flew into those mountains, right? Yeah, we did and all our train, training around there. Training. Yeah, oh, it's not those are some pretty. It's, it's not Hearthender. What is the name of that? I'm thinking of the base. I guess the towns are. Well, that that's not the name of the base, but that is yeah. the town of Hawthorne, which I've spent different nights when I'm them. traveling. Mm -hmm. You know, north and you south. you stay right there. Yeah, I stay. Oh, really? Well, there's there's a there's a 
I forget the name of the station, but there's a gas station. Bridgeport, kind of. And there's a gas station there, and it's a lot of trucks park right there. Well, then you just keep going north on 395, and then that base is on the left-hand side, yep. Army mm -hmm. Depot. But those mountains are up on the left-hand side. So those are bighorn, and that's where Barney, your your grandson Barney, killed. Yes. A, yeah. what, a bighorn. A white mountain. He caught his on white mountain. But a bighorn. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Desert bighorn. Yeah, desert bighorn. Uh -huh. And how long did that take him to draw that? Oh, my. I think he had 22 points. That means he's put in for it for 22 years. I've got that many points, too. Really? But I, if I ever get it, my, I think they should make it to where, like, they do the kids. Once you get sold, you ought to be able to draw like a kid. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Really? Uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah. That's that. Let our, uh, the Marine Corps Mountain Warfare Train Center. There's, yeah. I can't remember what they call that base, but, yeah, mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about, right? Now, there used to be bighorn sheep right in our mountains that appear out of Fresno, San Joaquin River drainage. Really? I had an uncle, Leroy Brown was his name, and his dad was Herrick Brown, and he was just a stranger at Clover Meadow for 40 years. And they went back there when he was a young man when my uncle was just a kid. And they packed back in that country, and there's a there's some hot springs up on a tributary out of, I think it was on, called, I think it was Fish Creek, Fish Valley. They had some hot springs in it that no snow ever settled, stuck on the ground all winter. And these sheep used to come in in winter, and they'd find skeletons of old sheep that died mm -hmm. in there during the winter time. And that was right our Sierras. Of course, they've been long gone. I don't think there's wow. any sheep in our Sierras now at all. What do you thing. think ran them out of there? Well, probably people. Back then, there was no there was no seasons. There's no laws. There's no. And I think probably people that went back in there like sheep herders to find something to get something to eat, they'd shoot a sheep. And then I guess probably natural causes as well, disease. Maybe when they took domestic sheep back in that country, domestic sheep, wild sheep don't work together. Domestic sheep give the mm. wild sheep a, a pneumonia, and they die from it. So probably just a number of things caused them to disappear. Mm. Well, there's uh, there's a couple other places too. So you know those are probably uh, bighorn also. Uh, in Oregon, right along the Columbia River, mm -hmm. before when we went elk, and I don't remember if you had been with me before, but out of Portland, mm -hmm. gone east, I think that's 87 or 89. Anyway, on the right-hand side, you got those big mountains mm -hmm. up there. I've seen some big sheep just mm -hmm. clear down on the right-hand side over there. Weren't even up in the steep stuff. They were down low, big ones. I think those are Rocky Mountain Bighorns. Okay. There. Yeah, I know where you're talking about. They're pretty good size, too? Yeah. Oh, they get around 300 pounds, big big ram. And then uh, one time me and Titus did a, a drop camp where I had my own horses, two horses, out of Idaho. We went up to Frank Church Wilderness area mm -hmm. and up above the tree line, and uh, we seen sheep, remember? Mm -hmm. What would those be? Rocky Mountain Bighorn, I'm Same sure. Same thing, huh? What's the biggest sheep? Is it the here? Yeah, the Rocky Mountain Bighorn. Oh, they are the biggest. I think bigger they, than the than the doll. I think so. Yeah. Okay. And now is that? Are you talking about just uh, horns? Or are you talking about bodies too? Everything. Everything. Bodies. Well, the, I don't know about the horns, but the body of the Rocky Mountain Bighorn is the heaviest bodied sheep. I think. And they get around three hundred pounds. Yeah, the yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't think the doll. Mine was a big one, but don't. In fact, Johnny Dale said he guided quite a few people in doll sheep and in that country and further north too. And he said he never saw any that were ever got the body was biggest mine. Really? 
So I think mine was probably of the largest. Mm-hmm. So you, you've done a lot of a taxidermy work for your own stuff, right? But it was at Danny Herring? Danny Herring did my doll, did my stone sheep. He's doing my doll sheep. So oh, it's not done? No. It did you full body? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. You're doing full body. So the white one in your in your trophy room is the stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a full amount. Oh, okay. So stone, it's got, stone it's is It's got one. a light head and it's got a dark body. That kind of identifies a uh, stone. Because the doll's solid white. The yeah, whole, everything. everything. Yeah, His nose and his eyes about all you can see that's not white. Mm. And his hooves. Or the stone... They come from lighter to darker, but they've all got the brown and light colors. They're they're halfway between a doll and a and a Rocky Mountain Bighorn look like something in between. And the Bighorn has no light color on him at all, except patches of white where his chest or something. Uh-huh. Then the the desert's about the same as Rocky Mountain Bighorn, only smaller. Uh-huh. Well, let's talk a little bit. I, we've been talking about sheep for a little bit. Let's go into the lion hunting. I was gonna. T- I want to talk about some other things too, but the f- like that's something I've always thought about doing. But I know it costs a good amount of money. <clears throat> but to me, to go to Africa, um, I I've met a few, obviously yourself, that have went to Africa, and your daughters and a few grandsons and whatever. That's all went on that trip with you, but. I've talked to some guys that went, um, some doctors, and they said, you know what, you can actually go there. You may not, obviously you're not going to probably be shooting a lion or some of these Cape buffaloes or whatever, but you can go there for fairly, um, not, I wouldn't say cheap, but he was telling me he went for $7,000 and killed three or four different little species. They were off some type of whatever, you know. He didn't kill a lion for that, no, but you can hunt no. other, planes game stuff pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. planes game, that's what's the term. It's cheaper there than it is here. Really? That's what he was telling me, and I thought, man, you know what? But I guess you got to think about, you got to get the right guide, you got to get the plane tickets, you got to get all these other things that go with it. But what um, was shooting a line something that was always on top of your list yeah, to do? Yeah, it was. How did that come about? I never thought I'd ever do it, but I'll tell you what happened. Danny Herring, the taxidermist in Wyoming that I use all the time, he brought a guy from South Africa that owned a concession over there. He brought him down here. And they made a little presentation. I went to the presentation. And my daughter, Ruth, my oldest daughter, was with me. And uh, he made that presentation. While he's making the presentation, back in the brush are quite a ways, this great big black-maned African lion walking through the brush. And my daughter said, Dad, if you go get that, I'd go with you. Well, that kind of started a little thought in my mind. So I inquired about that, and the, and the kid said, that's got to go. And, and so I asked him after the tax numbers, Danny said, I said, what do you mean it's got to go? He said, well, these concessions, it's all black people that are working there, and they can't have guns. The South Africa won't let them have guns unless yeah. they got a permit, and they have to get a permit through a licensed outfitter, concession owner to do that. And this lion was getting a little bit of a threat to people. And so I guess enough people complained about it that the, that the government of South Africa told them they need to get rid of them. And so that turned a wheel turning in my mind. And so I inquired further into it from this guy and found out I could go over there and get that lion. So I applied for the permit. And he gave me a date to come. And I went. And when I got there... Africa seemed like it's slower than here, uh, producing things that they, they it's allowable. Uh-huh. 
And when I got there, I hadn't, the permit hadn't come through. So this fella took me, his name was Simon Root. He took me way north to a place where they did have a, a lion population that I could get a lion in. So mm-hmm. I did. And I told this outfitter, I said, the only thing I was disappointed about, the lion I got wasn't like that big black mane one I saw. Mm-hmm. I said, the only thing I'm disappointed I didn't get the lion that came all the way, way here after. So I said, if that permit ever comes through, I'd like to have first dibs at it. So that was in April. So September, that permit came through. And he called me and told me the permit came through. So I said, send me a copy of that permit. Wire it to me. I want to see it. If it is, I'm going to try to come. So he wired it to me, and I saw my name was on it all. So I did. I booked a flight, and Ruth went with me again, and my grandson, David, mm-hmm went with me and my other daughter Davine and her son youngest son Paul David went with me so we went over there to this area where this big lion was and we hunted a day or two and this fella needed to go to an auction in the, oh, the, the capital city there in South Africa and any Pretoria I think it was and while we were there, the guy in this concession said, I have a visual on that big lion, which these concessions are so big, it's just almost as if it's open, which South Africa is all high fence. And uh, so we got all right of it. Why do they do the that? cutting station? Well, who the fishing, there's no fishing game department. Mm-hmm. So whoever owns the land that that animal's on, that animal belongs to them. Mm. And if he gets off of that, he belongs to whoever else he's on. So they fence it like that. So if they got something in there, it's theirs. They can't get away from it. Huh. They're like 15,000 acres fence, high, eight, nine feet high. And is that government fence. that owns that, or is it more like people, individuals? Gover- government subsidized the money to build those fences and put watering ponds in. And uh, so anyway, we got back. We came right straight back. And this fellow that, owned, that was the manager that uh, Touchstone was called concession uh-huh. told us, he said, he said, well, it's right over that way. And he pointed the directions where that cat is. He said, he's probably bedded down because they traveled all night. He said, whether you could, uh, whether you get to see him or not, I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's where they are. So we went over that way in the in the rent rover that we had, and everybody stayed on it. I was going to ask, how are you? Is that what you're in the ro- a rover? Is it all open cab? Yeah, open. And you're just driving around looking. Yeah. Are you driving on actual roads, or are you just driving off wherever? Well, little kind of trails, I guess they got in that concession places. Some places you can't go, and some places you can. Mm. And when you can't, you get off and walk. So we went quite a ways on that, and then got off and started walking. And uh, the grass over there is probably six feet tall. So when a cat lies down, you can't see him. But if he knows you're there and then he raises up to want to look, then you can see from his (laughs) eyes up. That's not scary at all, walking around in six-foot grass with the African lion. We were walking. This guy has a (laughs) black tracker. His name was Tutos. And uh, they're sharp. Those black guys, they aren't educated. They have no education at all. But they're extremely sharp in their habitat. And he all of a sudden stopped us, and he spotted this cat. And he was looking at us, and he could see his top of his hairy head through the tall grass in his eyes. 
And so, the life when they How far that, away? 60, 70 yards, I guess. Oh, really? <laughs> and so, we stayed walking towards it. Green grass or brown grass? It was brown at that time. It had been green in the spring. Yeah, okay. But it was brown at the time. And pretty soon, we got close enough to that cat that he realized a threat was coming his way. And that's what they wanted to get him to stand up. Mm-hmm. So he stood up and he stared us down. We just stood froze. And uh, I guess because we didn't move, he didn't feel like we, we were immediate threat to him. So he turned and started walking off. And uh, that's when I shot him. So he was kind of side, going side sideways, from you? Yeah. Sideways, yeah. I shot behind his shoulders. Right behind his shoulders. At some point, don't those uh, African lions like that, if they feel threatened, they'll charge? Yes. That's what he didn't want him to do. He didn't didn't want him to charge. He just wanted him to stand up where we could see him. Then he wanted him to walk off where I'd get a shot, and that's exactly what he did. Where'd you hit him at? Right behind the shoulder. And he dropped right away? Right there, yeah. Did he really? He He didn't go nowhere, He pushed himself around. They wanted me to shoot Barnes X bullets, and Barnes X are good, but they don't kill like a nozzle partition lead bullet does. And I told the the concession owner there, I said, those don't kill like the the a partition uh, lead bullets do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he wouldn't even got up if it had been one of those partition lead bullets I had. But he did start pushing himself around. Of course, those guys are, are scared to death because you're – yeah, their responsibility. They don't want you to get hurt while you're over there. So he said, shoot him again. And I did. And uh, he was, he would never got up again, but he was still breathing. And he wanted me to shoot him in the back when we got up real close. So I did. Oh, again, a third time. Yeah. But they, I guess in their mind, they don't, they don't want him budging. No, I mean, they, you, they don't want him threatening me. Yeah. See, to, to those guys, I'm their responsibility while I'm there. If I got hurt. Yep. It They're might invasion. be hard on him and his business to let me as Hunter get hurt. So he was doing everything he knew to do to protect me. Did he speak English? Oh, yeah. He spoke three languages. There's an Africana. There's a black language over there that was developed in, in coal mines, gold mines. And then there's English. And so he spoke, wrote, read, spoke, and could write in all three languages. Mm-hmm. So wow. he, he learned that because he worked in the coal mine himself. And, of course, he's Africana, so he learned the African language, and then he also learned the English language. Mm. So this, the, your, your, um, your guide, the one that you said was super good, like how old a man was he? He's younger than me. He's in his 50s, I guess. So he would literally track him. His tracker would, his black tracker would. In, 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 uh, in, oh. in dry ground. It's amazing what those guys can do. Those black guys are live there. It's their life. It's their it's their their territory. Nothing can make a noise. They don't know what it is. Nothing can make a track. They don't know what the track is. Even though they're uneducated, can't read, write, or spell or anything, but still, when it comes to that, you can't, you cannot. Man, did man, he did he act like he could know how old the track was? And yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would just. That would be a dream just to video that, you know, oh, yeah. go along and film all that. I've got a full video of it. Ruth had a video yeah. camera. She took the whole, I got the whole thing. Wow. So you shot him from how far? Was it 60, 70 no, yards? About 40 yards. From 40 I, yards. From, from 40 yards. That's pretty cool. That's, that's, a, boat. He, that's a boat. You should have yeah. your bow. <laughs> yeah, Sean with a bow. 
That's when he got up. I got about 40 yards. I guess I began to be a threat to him, mm-hmm. so he stood up. And then we stood still so long that all of a sudden the thought of us being a threat kind of went away. Then he started to walk away, and that's when I shot him. So mm-hmm. how old a, mount, or a lion was it? Ten years old. Really? Mm-hmm. And they tell that by the teeth? Or the mane? Or you teeth. know, I think... I think they knew when that line was born mm. on that concession. Mm. And I think they just knew when he be- came into existence, and it was 10 years before that. How in the world did nobody – there's a billion people out there that have money that would love to shoot a line like that. How in the world had no one shot him yet? I got in before anybody found out about it. Wow. When he told me that line has to go, hunters didn't know about it. And I just happened to be the guy that was there when that was first said. And I got in on it before the other. Oh, there's a lot of guys pay $50,000 oh, yeah. to get that line. Easily. So he's ma- – I haven't seen him in a long time, but it, that mane is massive on that it is. line, huh? Totally covers, black. covers his ears. Well, it's black, and then around his face is yellow. But huh. the rest of it is black. i got to go look at that thing again. I need to make a video of that, actually, and put it on the channel. For and stuff. then I got a female line out of that same – that same group that was extremely large. I got a female the time when I went no further north, but it's a small female. This one's, oh, I don't know how much it weighed, but probably over 300 pounds. The female. Wow. The male probably weighed, they said it weighed 500 pounds. I, I don't know. I didn't weigh it. Did they it's just, big. now that was a full body mount. Both, both yeah, those were, both right? Of them. Did, so did you skin it out or did they? They did. They did. They did, skin it. Were you saw, right by it when they were doing it? Like, no. did you smell, like, did, what did they, I was curious, kind of like the smell that they put off when you're skinning, like, a, a lion. I don't think much of all, not a lion. No. They're not a smelly animal. They're kind of a, they're kind of particular about taking care of themselves, licking themselves and all that. And they don't eat rotten stuff. They only eat freshly killed stuff that yeah. they kill. Hmm. But, but that was, uh. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. That was uh, probably the most exciting hunt, I think, just about that I've ever been on. I bet. Your your heart rate had to be up a little bit when you're walking through that grass, I it would really think. It really didn't because I knew the gun I had, yeah. and I felt confident in, in it, and I knew I could handle it. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't afraid. Yeah. You were the one with the gun in the hand. You're I the think, most comfortable. Probably. I think the, uh, the guide over there was more scared than <laughs> yeah. I was. You didn't have a gun. But I, he was responsible for me. That's yeah. why he was scared. Yeah. So so if the grass was six foot tall, was there was it a bear area where this lion was that you shot him? No. No, when he stood up, you could see his back. 
you couldn't see his feet because of the grass, but I could see his back enough that I placed a shot. So, so are you telling me his back? He's six foot from the no, no. The tops of the grass probably six feet tall, but down where the grass gets thick, it's probably not. See, when the grass gets so high, it's like corn, it tossels out. And probably down where you get to the thick grass is two feet below the six feet. So and his back would show in there. So his back was, he's at least four feet high. Yeah, I'd his, say so. His back, his shoulders, top yeah. of his shoulders. That's So his head standing up had to have been five feet high. <laughs> My goodness, that is massive. They're unusual looking animal. I bet. Like when you're right next to it. See, I was used to the little mountain lions here. Our mountain lions are nothing compared to those mm -hmm. in size. Mm -hmm. and our mountain lions are good size too, but not like that. Wow. Those African lions. See, they're the ones that fought in the arenas. People fought in the arenas in the days of Rome in mm -hmm. the Colosseum. They'd turn lions in there loose and let people, what they call, what'd they call those people that did that? They went in and fought with them. Gladiators. Gladiators would fight with those lions in the mm -hmm. arena to entertain the people of Rome. Well, didn't they do that, the Christians, too? Yeah. They fed the Christians a lion? They did. They yeah. tried that with Daniel, right? Yeah. Put him in lion's den. They put Daniel in den of lions, but God locked their mouths where they couldn't. Makes you them. wonder how many lions were down in there. That's in Daniel <laughs> 5, if anybody would want to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, part of it's in Daniel 5. Uh it's, it's where the story is being told. But he was put in the lion's den. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that talk about a miracle. God closing the mouth of those yeah. African lions. My goodness. Well, actually, so do you think they, then, did you think they pulled them from Africa or were there lions where, where they no, were No, they at? brought them in from where they, they brought them in. Yeah, yeah, of course, there were lions. They were pretty widespread in that area back of the country the back in those times. But not anymore, right? No, no, they're pretty well. There's too much civilization over there in a lot of that country. Now, I don't know where those lions in the arena came from, but they were probably from somewhere other than right there. Hmm. But they'd put them in cages and then bring them in on ox carts and put them in that arena. Man, starving it, to death, too. It was kind of a horrible period in human history, mm -hmm. what they did back there mm -hmm. in those days. Free entertainment. Well, if you think, though, that I... 100% agree with you, but if we start thinking of what goes on nowadays, think about abortion. I know it. How sickening. Well, yeah, they ain't, they ain't getting ripped apart. I mean, well, they are, but like not as full-grown adults, and it's something we sit there and visually watch, but to think how sick yeah. the world is that are doing that to brand-new life, innocent, helpless yeah. Yeah. babies. Um, I, I they passed I, something. They just passed something. I just seen it. And and I can't remember which state is. I could look it up real quick, but they just passed it that they can abort a baby like 13 days after they're born. Mm -hmm. They're calling it abortion still. No, after it like 10 to 13 days after it's born. That wow. just passed. Sickening. That, that's that's been born officially. Born. Yes. Yes. Wow. I can't even fathom that. Can't even fathom it. Like, why aren't they adopting those children? I don't know. Some, what that's they what put out for adoption? Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now, actually, because I wanted to. It, it just, I, I mean, I can't even grasp you, that. You know, my nephew Tyler, yeah, and Kelly, they were, they had been, uh, you know, have she's had like four, I think four miscarriages, mm -hmm. and she was, uh, they were decided they were gonna adopt. Well, they had a boy, that was gonna be a, a newborn boy. And uh, my sister, Sharon, she mm -hmm. she just called like a week ago 
and said that the woman that was going to put it out for adoption, the mother, decided at the last minute that she's not going to do that. So they mm-hmm. were, they were, you know, it was it was pretty tough on them. I I take this is what it is. It's worse than what I said. It's Maryland, twenty eight days. Like I didn't know that. twenty eight is that Maryland after Are birth. Are you serious? Yep, after birth. Hard to believe. What? Yep. No. That's just, Are you serious? Yeah. Um, wow. Anyways, so That's that terrible. being that being said, you know all the things that we can't do and protect little little bugs and little rats around. You know, it's like shrimp, it's, fish. It, because I was just saying, comparing to the old <laughs> times, we we that was gruesome and terrible. But like today in this day and age, we don't think about it as much. But it's like it's pretty. Pretty brutal. I'm still curious, though, going back to the, and I don't want to make light of that, obviously, but I don't want to be digging into that on this episode. But um, I'm still curious, and I don't know why, but the caping of that that lion, I'm just curious for whatever reason, how thick, I mean, was there a big layer of fat on that, or was it very, very no, lean? Lions are lean. Lean, lean, Now, huh? the bear have the fat. Okay. In fact, the bear will have, oh, my, a big 500-pound bear will have maybe 80, 90 pounds of pure fat on it, wow. where a lion doesn't have that. I mean, it's paper thin probably, huh? Yeah, the hide is real thin. So did he have to kind of be careful when of he was— Of course, the bear hide's real thin, too, once you get the fat all off of is it. Is it? Uh-huh. Did you watch him skin that lion out? I'm sure he did. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? They, they took it in their place, and they we went back to the, cab, the concession place where we were staying mm. that they provided for us. And they took all care of that, skinned it, salted it, dried it, everything. Mm. And we no, I didn't see it. Okay, I was just curious, like what they do, they they take it, skin it, salt it, and dry it, and then they take it to what they call a shipper, and the shipper, uh, dipper rather, and then the dipper takes the shipper, they dip it to make sure there's no parasites on the skin, and then the dipper takes it to the shipper. And the shipper fills out a little paperwork to ship it over here. And they ship it to the East Coast. And then the East Coast gets it with all the paperwork on the dipper and the shipper. And then the East Coast gets all that paper. Once it's okayed by the game department over here, then they ship it to your tannery. Mm. Wow, what a process. Quite a process. How long did that take before you even saw that thing again? It had to been take a couple years huh? or more. No, no, no. Maybe six months. Really? And you had your mouth? No, it was to the taxidermist. Oh, did Danny do that too? Danny did that. Man, he's in, he's good, huh? He's oh, incredible. He's to me the best. Yeah, I agree. I'm sad to see him get old because he's trying to get out of it. He's he's in his seventies. Is he really? And uh, once you get to a certain age, all of a sudden anything becomes more of a more of a I guess I call it a pain in the neck. Uh, or a it job. is when you're younger, more yeah. of a job. Yeah. And he's uh, scaling back. But he's the best as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I agree with you. Everything I've seen of yours is pretty great. Those African have... lions are absolutely perfect. And so is my stone sheep. Eyes, nose, everything, huh? Everything. Mm. But if you watch him do something, you can tell why. He doesn't make money, much as much money as some people would because he does so much more to make perfection than what they do that it cuts his profit down mm-hmm. just by his time he spends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you raise his up just a little bit? Just raise it. There you go, right there. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh. those lion, those lions, they have access to every 
uh, game, every bit of game that they would anywhere else, even though they're fenced, right? Oh, there's that the fence game and those fences are absolutely unreal. The kudus, impalas, bliss bucks, gims bucks, all those things are in there, and they 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 really feast on a kudu a lot. A kudu is about a six hundred pound animal. Is it really? And so when a pride of lions kills a kudu, it's a pretty good feed for all of them, and they raise so fast in there that they don't cut the the population down too much by what they eat. But when they finally get to the place, they get so many of them, they start killing for fun. That's when they, and then they become a threat to people that work in there. Mm-hmm. And that's when they try to get rid of them. Was that a surreal experience, just being in Africa like that? I mean, was it as neat as you imagined, or was it not what you thought it was? No, it was probably more than I thought. Really? It's just different. It's a different world altogether. Mm-hmm. Everything is different. The vegetation is different. The landscape is different. It's earth. It's got the rocks. It's got the mountains. It's got the, not high like ours, but the mountains, like the Waterberg Mountains, are pretty good-sized mountains. And uh, it's got all kinds of different animals. They have different animals we have altogether. Mm. They have the mountain reed bucks. They have the, I said, the ginbuck, the, the kudus, the impalas, just I mean, is there just literally when you're driving, is there just animals everywhere? Yeah. Everywhere. You see them all the time. It's just, man, it's just wild to think. Only thing I killed beside the lions when I was over there is a blue wildebeest. I did kill a blue wildebeest. Oh, wildebeest. you did? So is there do two different kinds? A black wildebeest and a blue wildebeest. Oh, yeah. okay. What's the like? What's the difference? Well, the horns on the blue wildebeest comes out like a buffalo. The black on the black wildebeest comes out very front and oh. goes up. Just different okay. shape. So the blue ones are the ones I've probably seen in videos yeah, and probably pictures. Probably are. They're the ones that runs this. Are they range. how how much do they weigh? Like are they pretty big too? Yeah. They probably weighed seven, eight hundred pounds, probably. Oh, the one I shot. Than I thought. Okay. The impala is a little animal, probably a hundred and fifty pound, maybe a little more, but not much. And the Gimsbuck is probably a like a mule deer, two fifty, three hundred pound. The mountain reed buck is a little animal, probably 100 pounds. Uh, just a group of different kind of animals over there. And you can't bring none of those home, the meat yeah, or nothing? Yeah, No, not the meat. The, the it, just locals eat it? Yeah. Okay. They, those, those, they have so many people working on those concessions that anything you get, they skin it, process it right there, and package it, and that's what those people eat all the time. And it's good because I, when I was over there, that's what you I ate. ate. It. I told him, I said, don't get our kind of food. Just feed us what you get over here. And you I, enjoyed it? I ate warthog. I heard <laughs> ate kudu. I ate, or ate. I didn't eat the lions. They like the lion. They'll they almost fight over lion meat. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is that because if it's more like a power thing, like because those are the scary creatures and eating them makes them feel like superior? They feel, yeah. They feel like eating lion meat makes you strong. Okay, that's what I was figuring, yeah. So, and they eat the whole thing, not just like the back straps or something like that. No, they eat the whole thing. Whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if you have time on this, but he did mention a, uh, uh, about the difference between a bear and how a lion's lean, and the bear has a lot of fat. You and your grandson, that was 2021 though, right? That you shot those bears yeah, up in the mountains here? Uh, 
David, yeah. David did. But didn't you get one? No, no. Did Little David got one and and Big David. Little, they both of them were Boone and Crockett Bear. Oh, his son and grandson both. And they'd mm. probably get 40 or 50 gallons. No, five gallons of, of rendered oil off each one of those bear. How much? Probably five gallons of rendered wow. oil. And it's just as clear. You can see right through a gallon oh, they saved jar. It. But it's golden colored. And it's real good to cook with. Did they? So they saved it? Yeah. Did they really? Milton. Milton did it? Yeah. And then gave it to them? Dad, you, yeah. We gave some of it. So those are both Boone and Crockett because what year was it that I wow. actually shot that with my bow? The lot was the sow. The last year you could use dogs, hounds. Uh, was what year was that anyway? I don't remember, but not long ago. In California, you yeah. can't use hounds now. Yeah. But what's happened is the the bear population has went way up. It's really right? growing, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, you weren't able to because didn't you tell me that there was okay? David shot this huge bull. I mean, uh, uh, boar. Little David shot one that was a Boone and Crockett bear, and David shot the next one. My son David, his son. His dad, yeah, little David and his dad, and his dad's is almost an inch bigger skull than little David's was. There was high in the record book. What? What do you remember? What they were? Boars. No, no, no. As far as Wait. the size of the skull and how oh. much they weighed. I think little David. They estimated it. They put you can't. You got to skin them out there, so you can't carry a bear like that. So uh, David's probably weighed five hundred pounds. Maybe between five and six hundred pounds, and David's probably weighed about the same. But little David killed his in December. David killed his in September. So if that bear David got could live till December, he'd have probably bought at least another hundred pounds. I wouldn't doubt David's have been a seven hundred pound bear if it had lived till December. Man, and the reason they got so big is because they they were basically they were they were eating living right there at that little location. There's a creek, year round creek, down in the rocks. They were living there. And they're eating all those white oak, white oak acorns. And acorns are very high in protein. Mm. And so they were living on those white oak acorns and drinking at that creek. And it was only a quarter of a mile from the acorns to the creek. So they didn't. Not much work. Uh -uh. And, and everybody listening, we're talking about black bears. <laughs> that's yeah, black how, bear. that's not normal for black bears to be five to 700 pounds. I, mean, that's I wonder what insane. place they got in the Boone and Crockett. David's was high. Little David's was in the Boone and Crock, well into it. But then David's almost an inch bigger. See, a sixteenth of an inch on a bear skull, it's a lot. Mm. An eighth of an inch is a whole lot. Really? And wow. David's almost an inch bigger than little David's really? uh, skull. Uh -huh. Wow. And they were in the same area? Uh, yeah. That's so weird. Well, wasn't there another one? And they were hoping you could maybe get that other one. Yeah. So it had been all three of them, you know. Grand and that to me that seems weird though for them to hang in the same area. Don't they like? Aren't they territorial and not? You know. Are bear, they not like that as much? A bear is, is territorial if he hadn't got enough food at one spot. But if, that's David's. But if you got food enough at one spot, wow, he'll live there all his life with everybody else. Oh that's like goodness. a grizzly bear, literally. He's standing up on his hind legs. He, yeah, he's standing up against that he tree. He literally, yeah, he looks like a grizzly. He does. My he's kind goodness. of a brown one, which... Uh, dark brown. Uh -huh. David, uh, your they, son, David, what color was his? Dark brown. David's dark brown. Da little David's little brown, but lighter brown. Mm. 
My goodness. That's, that's, a, thing that's a big bear. Huge. So how, a bear like that, how old was it to get that big? I don't know, but bear lived to be about 30. I would say this bear is probably a bear that was probably in his 20s. You can tell by look at their teeth. Uh, worn wow. down. Worn off. Mm. The, main, the main eye tooth is all worn off? From the other eye, bottom one. Wow. They chomp together so much they wear off. Man. That's a big bear. That is massive. Well, man, they'd have to eat a lot of those, uh, those, uh, what'd you say, acorns, in order to feed a big body like that. Yeah, they would. They Every would. day, right? Yeah. So they're not. You don't think they're killing anything? These, I mean, no, I don't think so. Too too big I, and they, too they, slow. They couldn't catch anything up in our mountain. Now there's in the truck bed, of course. Well, this is out of the truck bed. Uh, there's David's bear. See, it's lighter colored brown. But that's a big bear. It almost fills up the back of that. Look at the yeah. size of that. I remember yeah. when they were trying to load that thing. They had to use a big old winch. Yeah, had to put it on a tree. And yeah, Milton went over there, didn't he? And there were yeah. four or five guys, and they couldn't lift it up in that truck bed. It was a 500-pound bear. Yeah, that's insane. And then that kind of weight, 500 pounds, that is hard to handle. You can tell, though, that other picture was Big David's yeah. bear, right? Uh-huh. You can still you can tell the difference between this one and that one, though. Yeah. Even in the snout yeah. and all that. Oh, yeah. They need to get Cameron Haynes to put it on his back. Yeah, let's see if he can carry that yeah. one. Well, see, he had a, he had a, uh, he had. A, there's. I was just trying to find David's. Okay, so are they? Here's David's a, bear on the ground. Are they, are they getting a full? My goodness, look at the size of that thing. Yeah, that's that's unreal. That is unreal. And it was so funny when this happened, it threw me off because... You can put that on there if you can get it on there somewhere. Yeah, well, if, well, do you mind if I send it to myself no, right now? No, not at all. Okay. Send anything you want to on there. Okay, I'm going to send it to me right now. So, if you guys are listening, I'll t- you're getting mad if I don't remember, but I'm going to try to... Oops, let's see. I'm going to try to put this in the video at this timestamp. Actually, I need to write that down. Put it somewhere around 105 or something. But I'll put these bears in there. Um... Send it. Let's see. How far apart were the two bears that they shot? Little David got his in December. No, I mean like as far as distance wise. Oh, same place. Exactly the same yeah, place. Within hundred feet. Really? Can you send me a picture of that one standing? Two? I don't know how to do it, but or, I or, find or find it for me, and I'll send it to myself. Okay. Man, my goodness! Um, are they doing? Are they doing a full mount or what? Yeah, both of them. You know what I could have did? I could. Hey, there's the one standing. Is that what you? Yep, want? that's the one. So, what did little David take that picture? He was scouting or or what, and seeing that like that? No trail cam. Oh, a trail Yeah, they okay. put a trail camp down there. Oh. They found where those bears were coming through the fence. They actually pushed the wires apart. They were so big they couldn't get through a regular fence. So they actually, I guess, pulled staples out and crawled through there. Is that right? And they had a hole. And David and little David walked the fence line to find that. And they found that. And then they set up a spot to spot for about 60 yards from it. So when those bear came, they had just a little window to shoot them in. So when they got to that little window, they had to shoot them right there. And normally a bear will walk a little bit and stop, look around. Any animal will do that. And when they did, that's when they got them. 
Man. That's incredible. Um, <clears throat> do you guys need to use the restroom or anything? Or no, you. What about you, Dad? Are you okay? I'm good. Are I you good to go water, a little longer? But <laughs> okay, I'll have Sarah bring bring some. You want some water? No. I'm okay. Fine. More coffee? No. Um, are you guys? How much longer are you good to go? Then a day, you mean? Yeah. Whatever you want. Another 30, 40 minutes. I guess yeah, we're going on that trip, so I mean, another hour is fine. But okay. Because I'm thinking I might just break this right dead in half, and um, we'll make it two. All right. As long as you guys are okay with that. I'm yeah. okay. All right, we'll end this one, guys. Stay tuned. We're going to have part two of this. We're going to go into a lot more. There's, we Like I said, we can't cover this all in just a short amount of time, but we're going to go ahead and, and re, uh, stay tuned for part two. We're excited. Let's go, baby.